you with thanksgiving with praise with blessing with honoring you and loving you in so many ways we lift you up jesus you are the king of kings you are the lord of lords we thank you and we honor you we love you thank you lord for assembling us together to hear your word that you want to speak to us that we're open to what you have for us today father we're looking forward to what you have for us today as we study together your word in jesus name amen and praise god so today we're going to talk about in God we trust. In God we trust. In God we trust. Um, it's so much in our nation now. I know they've been trying for years to get that taken off of our money. <laughs> that we are not trusting in God. <clears throat> Man without God is a kind of a deranged person. He thinks he can get along without God. He thinks he's responsible for all of the good things on the earth. But if you're responsible for the good, you also have to be responsible for the bad. And nobody wants to take responsibility uh, for their sin, and, and rightfully so, because there's nothing we can do about that. We've got to trust God uh, even to our, our daily bread and for our, our spiritual contentment in our spiritual life so we have to trust God that is a must because he's the creator of all things Uh, you can't live a life without trusting God there's just no no way to live a good and complete life without a God connection and so God made a way for us to be back into his trust and into his care through what we know is the finished work of Calvary when Jesus died uh, for our sins our acceptance of that helps us to put our trust in God so that's step number one of putting your trust in God Proverbs 3 if you go there starting in verse 5 it says trust in the Lord with all your heart not just a little bit or things you think aren't that important you know people tend to ask God to do uh, things that they have problems with and where they feel they're getting along fine they don't want to want to extend that trust to him but the Bible says to, to trust him with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths if you'll acknowledge him in all your ways that means to seek him seek his direction seek his will seek his understanding it says be not wise in your own eyes Huh? don't be so smart you know, sometimes people uh, you know you can tell when when uh, teenagers become somewhat young adults all of a sudden they know everything you know you can't tell them anything they got all the answers until they run into the same thing the parents ran into when they thought they knew all the answers amen and it's a good thing if we know God or know of God then we can humble ourselves to him and get some real answers so he says depart he says fear the Lord don't be wise in your own eyes fear the lord and i think that's what's wrong in many parts of our nation our government in churches and households that people don't really have that fear of the lord but when you fear god you depart from evil so if you are wise in your own eyes that's considered evil as far as because it doesn't come from the heart of God it comes from uh, the prince of this world and, and the source is darkness and he says depart from evil it shall be health to your navel or to your innermost being and marrow to your bones honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of all your increase so shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst with new wine and so when it talks about um, trusting God it takes it all the way down the line in other words don't be wise in your own eyes if you if you'll refuse that that means you trust God you fear God so this proverb really explains everything almost you need to know about trusting God how does it look when a person trusts God well number one they're not wise in their own eyes they humble themselves to God they fear him and worship him and honor him and in honoring God he will honor you in return whatever you sow to God you reap from God and you you always sow a lot more 
uh, I'm sorry, you almost always reap a lot more than you could ever sow. So it tells us to trust in Him with all of our hearts, 100% uh, trust. You know, there's a song that says, I surrender all. You know, that's the song they always sing, uh, you know, where people say, for instance, they have people come up to rededicate their lives to the Lord. Well, what happened to it? Why you got to rededicate? One dedication ought to be enough. That's the way I look at it. It's just like when people... I know, and I did the same thing too. Uh, my husband was alive. We renewed our vows, and uh, you know, I was always looking forward to the twenty-first, fifth anniversary because I'd get a bigger ring. So you renew your vows. You renew them for your own reasons. You understand what I'm saying? But a one-time vow should be enough. That's my point. And and it was enough for us. We just wanted to in, in some way celebrate having uh, survived many years and still be married. You know, that's the way I look at it. You know, sometimes it's like that. You might just have to survive for a while. Amen. And there are times when you flourish and thrive, but there, there's that's why those those uh, words. Remember them words for better or for worse is going to happen to everybody. But you can survive it if you stay true to your covenant. Amen. <laughs> but you know that song, "I Surrender All." Well, that word "all" shouldn't even be necessary in that song. Because surrender is surrender, don't you think? I think so. You don't have to surrender. I surrender a little bit. When you surrender, you surrender. And there's no such thing as all. There's no such thing as I surrender. Listen, when you when you get arrested, you surrender yourself to them police. And you don't surrender a little bit. They just take you lock, stock, and barrel the way you are. Amen. And give you one phone call if you're nice. I know some people waited for three or four days for that one phone call. So, I mean, surrender is surrender. And I think that's what God has in mind when he exchanged the life of his son for your life, for your sin, for your whatever it is we did wrong. We, we got a, 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 a release from all penalty. We got a release from all charges. Uh, we were given uh, um, a... Uh, um, uh, you know a pardon from the highest government that there is you know it's from the government of God you have been pardoned so God surrendered everything he had to ransom us he didn't have another son <laughs> to give you know uh, I'll give one and I still got a spare God surrendered everything he had for us and he expects us this is the expectation of God he expects us to surrender ourselves and not withhold anything amen Luke 6:38 tells us another step in trusting it says give and it will be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together running over shall men give into our bosom so it's really talking a lot about what's given to us down here on earth we've already been given eternal life you've been given the life of of jesus and his spirit dwells in you he's given the holy spirit to you as your leader and your guide the holy spirit really is our custodian uh down here on earth he helps us with all of the things that we need but in luke 6 38 he says men will give unto your bosom things that you desire so when you give to god what he's saying is he's giving you his best in return he will cause anybody he needs to to come and bless your life come and give to you come and extend graciousness to you they'll extend pardon to you they'll extend goodness to you and so if we give it will be given to us good measure not stingy measure so this is why god says this to take the fear of giving out of us you know many times there's fear and it's a natural thing to do if you look at what you have you're wondering if it's going to take care of you there's because the future is always so uncertain uh, when we live here on this earth but god says if you'll trust me with what you have i'll give you a certain future i'll give you things that you never thought you want to you could ever have he says because i'll cause anybody i want to to give to you 
And this is amazing because you never know where your blessings going to come from. You can't predict who's going to be kind to you, who's going to want to help you, who's going to uh, be the one to stand in your corner. I know a lot of times people think and this is kind of like you know when you're younger say like a child you don't know the the uh you haven't had much experience i guess in life you could say but we always think if we're good to people those people will treat us well you know there's a little a little um, expectation there and if you do good to somebody that same person is supposed to treat you good back well what happens if that person doesn't treat you good and often it happens like that and really God does that to keep us um, honest before him he does it to keep us trusting him and keep us from manipulating one another because the Bible says if you're good only to those people treat you well what reward do you have amen he says be be perfect or mature like your father is mature god is good to people who love him and people who hate him people who curse him people who don't want to serve him he's good to all and so he expects us when we trust him to be good to all just like he is good to all so one of the the one aspect i can say about trust in god is how we give giving is always our connection to god it's connection to the god essence on the inside of us or the godness on the inside of us god is not skin stingy he's a generous giver and when i say give i'm talking about not only your finances but your time your talent your energy uh your attention what what do you pay attention to mostly and so when you give your attention to god and to the things of god he promises to return that and bless us abundantly in it i always tell people that when you're serving god serve him with your whole heart uh you know i'll see people make this when you make decisions about how to spend your time make sure you leave the things you're doing in the name of the lord up on the top of the list don't start chopping the list down and get get god to the bottom and then you feel you can eliminate what you're doing for god because you don't know what thing you've done for god has turned his hand a blessing towards your life you know it's like if i'm say if i'm giving to the poor what we do in in uh in cleveland uh we have a a um uh we we partner with the panera bread company and we have to go faithfully every time they have leftover bread we have to go pick it up if we don't somebody else can speak for and pick it up and we lose our turn so to speak well not only that but we have to make plans to distribute that bread to people and so when it gets to the point of uh you know well when we go to distribute bread how many people show up how many people want to go and distribute the bread if it gets down to a handful of people and it's just me and pastor shirley left or somebody left that you know in in leadership we have to go too we're not going to not do that just because of the people factor and then people when they decide they're going to sign up and do things they have to be faithful and consistent to god because god rewards faithfulness morning wards effort sometimes just <laughs> if you ever notice some people they do certain things continually and their life is always blessed and it can be a small thing sometimes it's a person who comes and cleans uh you know cleans the sanctuary or vacuums or sets up if you do that faithfully and consistently god sees your effort of consistency where you're and you're dedicated you're surrendered you trust him he looks at all of those heart things more than he does at say the significance of what you're doing or where the way somebody else may look at it significant or insignificant trust means that you've got your effort your energy dedicated and locked up in god in such a way that you don't want to take that out of trusting god you're trusting god with your time your energy your efforts all of those things and so that giving aspect of our nature is really what connects us very strongly to god because god is a giver 
when God sees us giving he sees we are imitating him and being like him and so he says be imitators of God like dear children I always you know it always warms my heart I'll see sometimes I'll see families out when we go out different places or if I go out shopping or something like that and whenever I see a dad with his son it always warms my heart because you can see that little boy trying to look like his dad trying to keep up with his dad and all that that's what God means he says be an imitator of me like dear children somebody that you that that kid loves you and you love them and they have a bond where they they love you so much they want to do what you do you know there's a saying that says imitation is the sincerest form of flattery I mean you can't feel better I don't think as a parent than when your kid imitates you you know they want to be like you grow up like you that that gives you a good feeling on the inside and so God feels the same way about us when we give that's that's his main thing in John 3:16, he establishes that that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have so he gave everything that we might have everlasting life I mean how how do you top being an imitator of God so we can't top that but we can come close we can give our best we can do our best and once you've done your best and you've done what's required that's all you need to do so trusting God really entails giving because he gave uh, he, if if you look at what he did for us, there's no way we can repay, but we can be obedient. You know, we can't repay God, but we can be obedient to Him and show our love to Him by obeying His commands. So when He says, "Give," it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down. In other words, you can't outgive Him. He's always going to give more than you give, so we don't have to worry about losing anything in giving to God. The Bible also says in Ecclesiastes 11.1, 1, it says, cast your bread upon the waters, man, and it will return to you after many days. The many days is what gets a lot of people. <laughs> we want to see a quick return, a fast return. You know, the longer your, your seed stays in the ground, the greater your trust is. I remember planting some fruit trees. I planted many fruit trees on our property. And I don't know what happens to those trees. But, uh, you know, one year a deer ran into one and knocked it over. All kinds of little crazy things happened to the fruit trees. But I realized when I planted them that it would be several growth seasons before I would even see blossoms or see any fruit on them. And so it caused me not to watch them so closely. Now I planted another garden where I had tomatoes and uh, you know a little fast one season like three month growth things. Things that grow kind of fast. So it's good if you keep some of your seed in a fast uh, fast growth and some in slow growth you know the slow growth is is something that you really desire but you know you can't have it right away and then the fast growth is to encourage you and I believe God does that with our seed he doesn't leave everything on slow growth mode because he doesn't want us to be discouraged he wants us to be encouraged so you'll always go out there and see something growing I mean uh, there's uh, of course weeds grow on there we're not talking about weeds because they just tend to come uh, you know the Bible says clear the enemy plants those but even sometimes a weed is encouraging you say to yourself well at least the soil will produce something you know what I'm saying so if you pull the weed out you can get all your good plants up front like they're supposed to but but God really really does want us to trust him in our seed sowing in our giving in uh, the way we treat others uh, in uh, you know extending love and mercy and kindness to people uh, that's trusting God because many times you know you don't have to put yourself out and extend anything to people you can go about your life living your life just fine uh, doing your own thing and what you want to do but God really does desire that we extend his love to others we extend his mercy to others we extend his peace to others 
others. We extend his goodness to others. So when we understand that God is looking at giving as an indication of trust, then we'll become more comfortable with giving because certainly you want to reassure God that you trust him. And certainly you want to let God know that you have your confidence in him. So these are ways that we relate to God in his language, by his rules, uh, with his uh, seal of approval on it. And I think if we can do the things we know that God approves of, we won't have so much um, so many questions uh, when when things aren't going the way we want to. You know, there are times when we do have to wait on things. Sometimes seasons are, are slow and drawn out. And so uh, those are the times where we'll start to question why is it taking so long? What did I do wrong? Oh, yeah, I got it, got it, got it. The longer you live, the more you realize you don't do everything right. <laughs> and you just have to accept it and say, you know what, God, you love me anyway. Thank God I can repent. You'll start me over again. You give me a fresh start. All of that thing. And so um, and, and, and let God teach you how to take the right path because nobody likes to, uh, you know, waste time doing wrong things. And so we have to take that right path at all times and he opens that up to us if we continue to trust him so God's world works through giving and giving the first seed so he proved that in John 3.16 also in Genesis 1 God planted his word first and then the manifestation came amen so he planted seeds of creation let there be light and light sprang forth. And so God understands sowing and reaping. And that's why he teaches it to us. So we can have the same success that he has as we operate in his laws in this world. So God's kingdom also runs not only by trust. But it also loves, runs by love. Faith works by love. And so when we put our trust in God. We are really putting our faith and our confidence in God. When we put our confidence in him, we are, are entitled to use his faith. And that's a wonderful thing. Using the faith of God will produce miracles in your life. It will produce everything you need in your life. It will produce healing in your life. It will produce answers to prayer. Uh, it will produce everything that you need. So when you put your trust in him, you're actually putting your faith in him. And you're saying that you are wanting to live your life according to God's law and according to his rules. Giving triggers the God likeness in us. We said that and it releases the God kind of faith or supernatural eternal faith within our lives. So whenever you decide that you are going to obey the law of God, worship God, serve him, love him with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself, then you are entitled to operate in his faith. And that's a glorious thing because you not only have faith in God, but you have the faith of God. You have the God kind of faith that moves mountains, removes obstacles, is everlasting, whatever it does, whatever God's faith produces, it lasts forever. It never goes away. It's amazing to me the things that God will do in order to preserve that confidence in him that that we extend toward him. Uh, I've seen him go through extraordinary lengths just to prove his word uh, to me and to others that I prayed for, know about in certain situations. I remember when when I was uh, 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 not newly married, I was probably married about probably about 10 years uh you know it's another diamond story diamonds are forever forever <laughs> whatever but anyway god knows your heart you know what i'm saying it's not mean it's not greedy just me but uh anyway i had um my uh we had moved recently into a house and there were some teenagers living next door to us it was kind of a large family there was maybe about four teenage kids there and one of the older girls 
uh, had a boyfriend that was kind of unsavory and uh, it was kind of uh, interesting because it seemed like we moved in the area where all the law enforcement lived so the, the um, a, a detective lived across from us behind us was a, another cop there was another cop right next door this guy was a narcotics or something so we were surrounded with all these policemen and uh, somebody broke in my house (laughs) all the policemen were personally offended I mean I heard so many threats that uh, I'm sitting there trying to pray and believe God for restoration and the cops are wanting to go out and go door to door and go find people they're they're insulted because it happened in their neighborhood you know that kind of thing but uh, what was stolen was a a setting that uh, actually uh, it had belonged to my late mother-in-law and uh, um, we had taken the larger stone out of it set it in my wedding band and there were three smaller stones still left in there and so uh, I was newly in the ministry at that time and I was binding the devil I walk around I demand a sevenfold return devil you go give me everything you got your mama stuck too and your auntie and whoever else and your cousin and all them people they give it up hand it over so and I stood on the, that scripture I stood on everything and so I still do to a large degree uh, but uh, did my 21st wedding and 25th anniversary I think we've been married probably 12 years maybe 12 15 years at that time 25th anniversary uh, I had when my husband and I had talked about well I talked about it he wouldn't answer me you know men it's funny like that and I'm not pointing no fingers at nobody in here because I don't know y'all's story but you know we'll be sitting up making plans and y'all don't never say nothing I well can I get an amen can I get a I don't care what you do can I get a something so we take your silence as uh, affirmation you need to know that if you don't say nothing that means we can take it to the bank and cash it as soon as possible <laughs> y'all better speak up and say something because the girl gonna go cash it in ASAP so anyway I had I dragged him off right before our 25th anniversary I dragged him off to the jewelry store I said let's go shopping you know what you got to do uh, you know what you've been promising me and so he of course nervous all the time but uh, while we were there they were having a drawing for uh, a diamond and so when a diamond so I'm over looking at diamonds and he over filling out <laughs> I guess he said God this is my answer to prayer you know they act like they ain't praying but they be on it so anyway uh, it, long story short he won the diamond it was a carrot and a half diamond and it was worth a whole lot more than the other one I had which amazed me and so uh, when when I heard he won I just I thought about it I said God come on come on <laughs> I'm asking you to put a hurt on the brother's pocket get him to go in that pocket he don't never show you that's another thing they got don't think brothers ever broke because they ain't they got a pocket they never let the wife know where it is you don't care how how much you pray you ain't gonna find that one but anyway you know that was was how god met that need and i know it was through the sevenfold return you understand me because if we just lose things and just allow them to be lost and you serve a god who found you when you were lost don't you think he can find these little material things that go missing from us never let the devil steal from you that way i don't care what he steals don't care if it's you know uh you know chin hair whatever you know so we don't want whatever it is you know don't let him have it you got me uh, always claim your return from him because that's how he steals it if he steals a, a, a spouse if he steals a child if he steals any i mean big things little things cute people whatever it is those are relationships that god gave you to last forever he didn't give them to you to be temporary and so we have to understand this that that trusting god means trusting him through the loss and the return of certain things in life as well 
So giving triggers the God likeness in us. We said that it releases the God kind of faith or supernatural eternal faith which works by love. This brand of faith does not fail to produce what the heart desires. The faith of God never fails to produce what your heart desires. It is born of love and love never fails. The problem arises when there is lack. Most of us don't want to give. And so here we are. We have the supernatural God kind of faith dwelling in us. But sometimes we will look at the natural realm to make our decision. You never look at the natural realm to make your decision on how you give. There are times when you are giving according to a future need. Things that we are giving and and sowing into right now oftentimes are for a future need. And you don't know if you'll, you'll be able to give as much in the future. And so it's always good to have a consistent pattern of giving. Have a consistent lifestyle where God knows that he can trust you. He knows where you are and he knows he can count on you for certain things. It's, it's, a, it's a good thing to do. Giving shuts out human fear and it guards our hearts. So when we give the way God tells it, it kills the fear of God. It kills lack. It kills poverty. It kills a lot of things when we give. Because when when you give, you have to put your faith in operation to trust God for the return. If you don't give, you'll never put your faith out there and you'll never be compelled to trust God uh, for return. It's amazing how diligent we can get when we're pressed. And when you know that you've given your best to God, then you, you will automatically expect good things in a return to come from him. And, and it shuts out human fear and guards our hearts. Fear does cause us to try to preserve what little we have, thinking that we can hold on to it. And it also shuts down the God kind of faith. Giving opens up the God kind of faith. Withholding shuts it down. So God's faith will not work unless we obey his laws. I had a situation that happened to me recently where I had to give to somebody and I did not know this person. Did not know them. Uh, they found me on Facebook. <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> don't. Everybody go hit me up on Facebook. You know, I know y'all. I know y'all live but anyway. <laughs> but uh, this was a person that that knew me on there and and just explained their situation, and I felt a peace from God to help this person. So what do you do when you you know you're always looking for God's peace for things that you need. Now his peace comes to you to give into a need. You don't even know the person. You can't expect anything back. Uh, That person is not in a position to do anything to help you. And and, And that's the heart of God. God's heart is for us to give with no expectation of receiving back from that individual. Our reward we know comes from God and really that is the best position to be in where you know God and only God is in control of your reward. Because people will disappoint you every single time. You'll have somebody that you're always loaning money to and then you need some. You go to them. Huh? And God shuts the door because that's not the path he wants us to take. Trusting him means talking to him and him alone about it and expecting him to bring it to you. You don't have to tell a living soul anything and expect God to bring it back to you. Many times we'll tell people and they'll think, you know, it's, it's shocking what the things will run through people's heads and the devil will tell them about you, you know. Well, she ought to have plenty of money. She don't have this. She don't have that. She don't have no business. You understand what I'm saying? So don't bank on it coming through the same door it left in. You give as unto the Lord and God's hand will always move in your favor. So we don't really trust God if we give and we expect to receive through the same vessel. 
So you won't know if if trusting God works until you try it. So you sow seeds, you sow words, and you wait for your harvest. So God sows words before he receives the manifestation of his words. We said that. He said in the beginning, let there be. And so it was. The harvest came according to what God spoke. And that's what he's expecting us to do. Always speak what you desire to see come to pass not what you don't like about life for instance if if you are feeling sick in your body your confession should be well that symptom is there but by his stripes i am healed i am not a sick person because that negates what jesus did for us at calvary if you can accept salvation you would no more tell somebody i'm going to hell once you know you accepted christ so why would you say you're sick once you've accepted him because he is the healer he has provided healing for us god will not receive from our thoughts only he must receive from our words that's a law of faith if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ or whatever he says and believe in your heart that he is alive and living and he can do this then you will be saved you'll receive what it is you can have what you say if you use a God kind of faith and so God is there for us to help us with all of these things but we must obey his laws the law of faith the law of giving the law of sowing and reaping and the law of love and so God is the one who brings forth the fruit James 5 7 tells us the husbandman that means the person who's doing the planting waits for the precious fruit of the earth so the answer your answer to prayer is precious it's something to be valued it's something to be highly valued so we're to be expecting anticipating uh, knowing that God is going to bring that harvest to us you watch it like you know it's going to happen and that's the only kind of faith that God honors It's, it's not casual and it's not doubting you know you might have thoughts run through your head that tell you well it's late it might not happen suppose it didn't this that all those thoughts will run through your head but you let them run through don't stop them okay let them keep running amen and so if they start running through your head let them keep running and say get behind me satan or whatever and and keep believing god keep standing on his word because his word will come to pass what you sow comes forth out of you when that word is sown in your heart what's in the abundance of your heart your mouth will speak what's in your heart in abundance if it's your symptoms and illness and fear and all that you'll speak that forth if the word is there in abundance you will speak the word of god and so it's important what you think about what you meditate on but it's very important what you say once you say it you got it out there and it's sown. It's a commitment then. And so you're to look patiently for that word to come to pass. You're not to ever doubt that that word is going to happen. It will happen. Many times we let natural things build up in our heads and try to squish down the promise of God. You know, so much stuff against us in the natural. But the Bible says that Abraham and Sarah had a baby he was a hundred and she was 90 and she had never had children why because they had a different brand of faith everybody's talking about their brand now you know uh, yeah that's my brand (laughs) i'm developing my brand well we only got one brand of faith that god honors and that's the abraham brand it's the brand that can produce um uh, uh a child from a barren woman and an impotent man that are past age the bible says that they were past age when this happened and there's all this stacked against them but what was for them god was for them the word of god was for them and it's our choice if we believe the word you don't have to believe what the natural says you can like abraham the bible says he considered not his own body now did neither the deadness of sarah's womb what what you consider what you pay attention to has an attraction to you 
There's something in you that is attracting that. Well, God says, if you don't consider that, and you consider my word, then my word is attracting you. And I'm attracting what my word says to your life. And so what's attractive to you? Sometimes if you're in kind of a low mood or feeling sorry for yourself, sickness is attractive to you. It just seems right to agree with that because that's how I feel. That's what the doctors say. That's what the report is. All of that. So you get all this and you become attracted to that as truth but you can not consider that and make up your mind I'm only going to consider God's word and God's word alone I remember when uh, I had taken a fall coming out of my my uh, back door into the garage and we still had I think those were the the construction steps that were still there and there was a little short ledge and I was kind of in a hurry and, and leaped out of there and just fell you know all my weight on my one knee and I remember getting up saying that I was healed I didn't I number one I never went to the doctor never intended to I intended to stay with God you understand it's what you intend to do folks it's it's what you purpose in your heart to do I purposed in my heart not to make a big deal about this but to stand on the word um, I've known enough for enough years about God's healing power that it would be foolish for me to you know I mean oh I'm all upset and no 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 uh, Jesus owns this body he bought this body this body don't belong to me to run anything it belongs to him and if he he likes this <laughs> it looks jack this picks up or, you know whatever you want to call it uh you know then let him be in charge of it and take control of it i trust him with everything so i had to trust him with this and so uh later on my knees swell up it got three times its size so then my prayer got to be well god i knew our conference was coming in uh in the next uh week it was a week away and so my prayer was god get me on my feet long enough to go to the conference and so i i i got a cane because it was so swollen and painful you know i couldn't do anything else so i went from a cane i went to the conference on the cane but i came home from the conference without a cane how do i know this will work because it works all the time if you can get to that place if you can take your healing a step at a time you understand what i'm saying you don't have to have everything all at one time just let your faith dictate what it is your heart can believe for and i could believe to keep walking i could believe to not have to have some surgery or some whatever whatever people have you know what i'm saying i believe that god could repair my knee and it wasn't life-threatening it wasn't broken it wasn't this it wasn't that uh you know a little swelling and and then it got a big swelling and then it almost wouldn't bend but i still held out to be able to get to the conference god's not gonna let you die while you're trusting him he's not gonna let you fall apart while you're trusting him he's not gonna let you get arthritis while you're trusting you don't have to expect those things expect to be healed and keep expecting to be healed even though the devil may send stronger symptoms you can still expect to be healed and god is your healer so you know if the faith isn't there then just go to the doctor whatever you want to do but but try the word first you know put the word on it first now, like i tell people that have small children you can teach your kids to walk above the power of disease you know it'd be wonderful to have a child that wasn't in the er or urgent care all the time and so why let them miss school and all those important things because of bad health that's not for them god hasn't ordained it for his people and so god god was faithful with that and uh, you know it took some winting that's what i always say we're healed as we went and so i continued to go and i continued to feed on the word more than usual some things you got to increase because because the need is more and so i fed on the word uh, more than usual put on my healing tapes i preached to myself you know all the healing schools we've done over the years i sat and listened to those and allowed the word to minister to me 
The Bible says that if you uh, meditate on the word, give it your full attention, it heal your, your body. You know, it's health to all of you. It's medicine to all your flesh. So our medicine is always the word. Our salvation is the word. Our, our prosperity is the word. Everything that we have is the word. So the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Just like the farmer waits, we wait. We expect it. It's precious. An answer to prayer is always precious. Whatever nourishes your seed and causes it to prosper, God wants you to apply to your seed. So if if your 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 seed is nourished by worship, prayer, other other things that you do for God, always nourish your seed. Uh, rain causes your harvest to come through. More water, more word on on top of that word, more confessing of the word, meditating on the word, always causes that seed to prosper. The husbandman is always the first partaker of the fruit. Whenever you're tending a garden, you're the first one to partake of the fruit. And that's a law. I don't care people who are farming for other people. They always are allowed to taste some of the fruit. The Bible says don't muzzle the ox who treads out the corn. So the husbandman is always the first partaker of the fruit. You've got to taste it to see if the crop was right. You got me? And so this is what we do. We Because we tend the garden, we're entitled to be partakers of it. And because God honors us that way, it's good to honor him then with the first fruits of your increase. And so that was always the law in Israel to give God the first fruits of your increase. <clears throat> Giving on our part is always a small token. It's never giving is never going to cripple us or hurt us or bankrupt us. God only wants a token to let us know, let him know that we trust him. So never look at giving as being something that's going to hurt you. God doesn't ask you to give excessively to hurt your own finances. Our giving is more symbolic than it is anything else. It's a symbol of our trust in God. He can't spend money. You know what I'm saying? It won't do him a bit of good in heaven. Like Jesus said, who picture on that coin? Dead presidents. Our money. You know, back in the day it was Caesar's picture on us. Well, Jesus said that money, that don't belong to God. <laughs> That's Caesar's stuff. A guy had picture on it. But give God what belongs to him. And that is a token and the love that's in our hearts. That's what we owe God. We owe him our time, our attention, the first of everything. Honor him by thinking of him first when you get blessed. Honor him by thinking about him first when you get up in the morning. Honor him you know, by doing these things. That's giving. So giving is an offering really that bridges the language gap between heaven and earth. When God sees you give, he understands that. Huh? He understands that. You may not be able to express everything you want to express. But when you give, God understands it. So it, it bridges the gap between, language gap between heaven and earth. Giving translates our desire from the earth realm to heaven realm. So our desire then gets 100% understood by God when we give. He knows we mean it then. He knows that we are serious about trusting him with it. Giving signifies our release of control over our lives, our possessions, our destiny, our location, our associates. Rebellion is a refusal to give and cooperate with God's system and his plan. In Second Kings four one, you'll you'll see a, an example, and I think that'll we'll close with that. Second Kings four. I just wanted to show you a good Bible example of how giving moves God, and how important it is for us to express our trust in God through our giving. Thank you, Jesus. Second Kings four. This is a familiar story. It's Elijah, Elisha. I'm sorry, and the wife of uh, the son of the prophets. And so it says there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets to Elisha, saying, 
Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant did fear the Lord. So this may have been a prophet who worked under Elisha or with him or he knew him personally. And so she said, you knew that he feared God. Now the creditor has come to take him, uh, take unto him my two sons to be bondsmen or to work off a debt or to, uh, uh, you know, just be able to live we have no no other means of living so there's a debt owed here that needs to be paid or somebody's going to be in jail now how familiar does that sound that was us before we found the lord Uh, and so what she's saying though is that i've got a right to expect god to intervene here because my husband served you he was a so i have a covenant with god through my husband's service to the Lord. Your children can claim the same thing. I have a God, I have a covenant with you through my mom helping being a servant of yours and being saved. They have a covenant where they have rights to expect God to interfere on their behalf. And so when we, we see this, we know that there's an expectation there. She's sowing her faith into the, rep, the uh, relationship that she has with God and she is somebody who desires God's help at this time she knows it's not right that her sons be carted off as creditors as debtors because this was a a debt no doubt owed by the household the husband if he were alive would have income etc etc but God says he's a a father uh, to he pleads the cause of the widow and the orphan and he's a father to the fatherless if you have a covenant with him and said, as she said, the creditors come to take them. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have? Uh, here she is in need. And he asked her for something. And if you're smart enough to know you have a covenant with God, you're smart enough to know the laws of the covenant. This is a law of the covenant. In other words, Elisha's telling her, quit acting like a heathen. Huh? You say you you say your husband was was a servant of God. You say you have a covenant. Well, why are you begging? Why are you acting like a? Don't act like a heathen now. You you come to the prophet. She knows the rules because she saw her husband do it. What was the rule when you came to the prophet? You always offered a gift. You brought an offering for the Lord. You brought something to the man of God because that covenant operated through the the exchange of that offering that was what opened God up to hear you giving same principle that we have now is giving and so he says what do you have tell me what do you have in the house she said I don't have anything but an old pot of oil God always gives you something to give and whatever you have to give is sufficient you got me whatever we have to offer is sufficient you know we had a lot of teaching on tithing and you know be killed you every time you turn on the tv christian television they're talking about money talking about tithing and but you know tithing was under the law you can't put people under a curse now for not giving. You understand me? You just we don't have that power. That curse is broken by the power of the blood of Jesus. You will do well to give to God. That's true. But you're not under that fear of something bad happening to you and et cetera and et cetera. You know, they you know, when man gets a hold of something, he always takes it too far. But there is a glorious principle there that by merely giving that token tenth of your what your increase is god will open the windows of heaven to you you know you miss the whole point by trying to threaten people for not giving it but here this woman whatever she had would have been okay if she had said i got two crackers that's fine bring it if i got some there was a woman that had some some flour uh you know in a in a bin and oil and that was sufficient to understand anything that you possess can be offered up to god in exchange for the answer that you need from him it's only a token it's not the amount it's only a token 
we can get straightened out on that we'd have a lot more prosperity among God's people and so whatever she had would have been fine so he said what do you have in the house she said I've only got a pot of oil might have been the anointing oil if she had said a cruise of oil or, or something where you could say it was household oil, be a little different. My thinking is probably his anointing oil that he used to minister with. And she said, and he said, go borrow vessels from all your neighbors, not a few. Come in, shut the door on you and your sons. You'll see prophets will tell people stuff like that all the time. Don't tell nobody. Don't go blabbing it to everybody. Go do this and don't stop before you get it done. And so why? Because there is a timeliness and a timing on things related to God that God knows if the enemy can delay you, he can divert you from what you're supposed to do. Certain things have to be followed through immediately and to the letter for it to be God and be working. I seldom will put things off. If God tell, I'll start doing something with it. You know, if I can't accomplish it all, I'll start. I'll make a phone call. I'll write it down. I'll get it set in motion when I know God is speaking to me about something. There have been things I've been writing down. Uh, I would write down. He would give me uh, um, titles for sermons. If I didn't write them down, they'd be gone. I said, Well, God, can you give it back to me? I hear nothing. It's like, Look, girl, get up and write that down. What's your problem you work for me i'll work for you you know and so we have to understand that about god there is a timeliness that must be honored in the things of god and he told her take you and your boys and shut yourselves up in this miracle atmosphere this is for you and your sons to understand how to do this so you don't have to starve again you don't have to look for me again you don't have to go through this again her boys if her husband was a son of the prophet what are they they're sons of prophets they're called to serve God in a way that Elisha is doing yet they're begging for bread they shouldn't be doing that they should be ministering and so what he tells her when he tells her go shut the door he shuts them in with the power of God and these boys get to understand how to work a miracle your kids got to grow up sometime and if you get with them and let them get with you and God and start getting their hand why did Jesus tell the disciples when they had to feed them 5,000 people he asked the disciples <laughs> he asked them what you gonna do you know they, they were, you know they're hungry jesus said told them they were hungry he said well let's sit them down and feed them they looking around at each other like where is the stuff and then they start looking at jesus like they do to him for everything well he's training them to be able to do this on their own in fact they've already been out ministering but it's a funny thing sometimes when when papa's home everybody wants to live off papa all of a sudden not want to do their own thing just true and so when when jesus sees this what does he do he tells them he asks them what are they going to do for food he gets them involved in it he said this is not just my problem this is your problem to solve and so what does he do when he blesses they they go and find somebody with one lunch and they bring that back to him after jesus blessed it and broke it he did what with it first he didn't give it to the people he handed it to the disciples first why they need to know how to work a miracle you need to know what a miracle atmosphere is you need to know what a miracle is in your hands you need to participate in it because that's how the anointing comes to people you're trained under it you experience it i you know all the men who work at our altar catching people at the altar they know as much about the move of the holy spirit as i do why because they've been trained they know what he get ready to do next they know when it's time to when i say i'm gonna walk this person they know how to walk them until they get their healing they know all of that stuff why it's for them to know and so it's for these boys to know how to get their own miracle from God if and if they do it this way he told her to go pay the debt and they live off the rest in other words that just got them out of debt 
they still got to get a job and work. You understand what I'm saying? So if those boys are smart, they'll go uh, follow Elisha to the school of the prophets so they can start working for God, receive their full inheritance the way they're supposed to. But it all starts with what we give. What do you put in God's hand give him to work with? What token of your love for God and your trust in him are you willing to give to him so you can see the miracle you need to get in your life? That's what we need to do. You need to decide up front. God, I'm not withholding anything. That word withhold is not even consistent with surrender. But I know that I can trust you. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding of your word. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us to know and to hear and appreciate and to love your word and to love you. That's how we love you is through knowing you. So we thank you, Lord, for blessing us to see this day you've made it for us to rejoice and be glad in. And we honor you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you.